Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Doc Gaines, the American. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Thomas Clayridge, the mother. I'm JD. I'm playing Zuxion Melodis, the undeniable. And I'm Zach, your keeper for this series. And this is Seasides. Tonight, we continue Jason Cordova's The Between. When we last left everybody, we had just introduced the Unseen. I think I'm going to pick that right back up as well. I'm going to remind each and every one of you what you had planned to do in the night. Clayridge, you said you were going to go out and collect corpse bits. Gaines, they said you were going to watch the pickled arm of Stonewall Jackson grow long webbed fingers in its jar at dusk and get drunk. And Zuxion, you're going to break into the house and tear the wallpaper down. Do we have any questions before we get going? No questions. I do want to say, and this may never, this may not come up, but there's a storm that is going off and on. So there may be rain sounds. Get over it. Yeah. Now it's raining at night. <laughs> Crushed it. <laughs> Boom. It, 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 but it's intermittent, you know? It may not rain consistently through the night. You may only hear it every once in a while. I'll work on the Foley work. All right, so I'm going to introduce the Unseen. We're going to start the night scene, and the night scene will begin with us resolving the first Unseen. The Unseen we're doing is moonlit mudlarking for those at home. The Port of London is one of the busiest in the world, and with so much cargo being loaded and unloaded, the odd crate ends up overboard. The ebb and flow of the Thames deposits this lost cargo up and down the riverbank. Under the light of the full moon, the desperate or optimistic pick through the sucking mud of low tide, stinking of shit and rotten fish in the hope of finding treasure. I want to remind you guys, before we get in to the first unseen and then begin uh, the night phase, of the mechanic called Echoes in the Night. It may come up. Don't feel pressure to make them happen. Jason is very explicit about, like, you'll get into the flow of making them happen. But the echoes in the night, if you remember, they're, they're going to be the unseen and your character will reflect back and forth through meta metaphorical senses. They're not supposed to be a direct thing. Like we see a guy's head get cut off and then you cut off a guy's head. Like that's, we don't want like a one-to-one -one like that. It should be, they talk about like, maybe we see someone dying of consumption, throw up blood in a bowl. And then in the next scene, we see a bowl of roses. That type of thing. It, it can be as flowery as that or, you know, closer. But, you know, don't try and be don't try and just hit it over the head. Try and be a little bit more uh, poetic, for lack of a better term. Could you give us the definition of the echoes of the night? Then is that like it's like swords without master motifs? Yeah, they're it, it, literally it like resonant yes. images that you're just like, again, don't think so, about it too much. Don't even talk about them in the when we're in the scene. At the dawn, it will say, did you have any echoes in the night? Just if something you, you know, it well, occurs we, to you. 
for for the the listener who the layman and i don't think we've said what this is is my point i don't i we haven't said what it is, that is what yeah it is. so they're metaphorical threads that connect you between the unseen and your scene so the the but it just is something that it's just part of the unseen move or is it something that yeah it's its own move so like it's like a, a the first paragraph in the chapter in old books that's like describing something kind of unrelated to what's going to happen and then that imagery is going to carry through the rest of that chapter. Okay. It's more just like trying to connect the world of London to what is happening to our heroes. But but in like a movie kind of way, not in a... Exactly, kind of right. Way. It would be... It's like that hard cut, you know, you know those hard cut transitions in movies where they're like cutting off someone's head, diegetic sound bleeds yep. over, and then someone's just chopping an onion. Like that type of that type of stuff. Like that would be great if someone, you know, I'd be like, "Yep, that's totally an echo in the night." And, but yeah, they're not something but not for this yeah, particular unseen, correct? What? what? Like this unseen that you just introduced. So, like the echoes of the you... night have to relate back to the unseen, correct? To the four prompts within the unseen, yeah. You're going to describe each of you are going to describe stuff and you can engage with each other's with each other's descriptions. That's what you're supposed to do. Now, like you can with the original thing if you want, like the low tide or whatever oh, too, okay. as well. But yeah, I you remember you're going to have four prompts. I'm about to resolve. I'm going to ask someone someone to resolve oh, the first oh, prompt okay. and then so we're going to go from there. You started off with yeah. that paragraph and then we continue it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, the uns- so for for those at home as well. As we're entering the night phase, the unseen is basically like the timer, and it's also this thing that breaks up the night. Uh, it also keeps the pace going. I'm going to try and be pretty quick, rapid fire as we're going. The night is not supposed to last forever. So the unseen is a great way when we get to the last, when we resolve the last unseen. In this case, there are four four prompts. Uh, that means we're, we're getting in close. I have a little bit of leeway to do, you know, f- resolve some stuff, but it's kind of like wrapper up. Also, for those who haven't read it, the, un- the night might seem like it kind of ends abruptly. You know, it, you might be like, oh, I wanted to do more stuff. Jason talks about this explicitly. It's really like a cinematic choice to do this. You want it to be the most interesting aspects of the, of the night and not really like resolving everything. So we'll just we'll just move on through that. Like and it, again, the night is more about action and things like that. It's not about resolving everything uh, as you as I, I messaged Jason on Twitter the other day and said, you know, I took two, basically two sessions for a day phase and a dust phase. He's like, wow, that's a lot. I was like, well, you know, we were, I was kind of giving into the malaise. It's what a, a thing that he talks about. It's like kind of just making everything languid. Uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, especially in the night, just boom, 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 boom. We're going to do stuff. And obviously things uh, are going to escalate because we're going to activate the night move. This has always been the case when we've played games with phases. We've always, always, uh, we, I, I hearken back to the sprawl, which this is a much better game than the sprawl, but we've always dragged out the phases longer than I think they're supposed to. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> In theory, and that's, there's no wrong way to play a, a game, you know, but. Exactly. All right, let's start the unseen. Nathan, I'm going to have you start. The, the first one, the first prompt is paint the scene. What debris from industry, trade, or home life is found washed up on the mud bakes of the Thames? What does it tell us about the city? Okay, okay, and so, just so I'm clear here, I, I paint this scene, and then we have this echoes to resolve. No. This has nothing to do with the echoes. There's no Echoes are literally... We, we've done a nothing, poor job of explaining is, even what's happening in the night, so I'm trying to nothing rectify nothing to resolve. Okay. All you're, you're going to do is call back to the imagery that you lay down. Okay. And that is an echo. Yep. 
It's not a move per se. Yeah, there's don't, a, don't worry about it. Is basically to, to gamify it. There's a check at at dawn at the upkeep phase of dawn where we check to see if you were able to thread an echo of the night in there. Okay. That's it. There's no like move to activate while we're in the night phase. You're just describing stuff. The unseen is there to give London, the city itself, life that is separate from the players. Cool. So that it isn't just player-centric. It, there's the, all this stuff going on. The echoes in the night are the thread that hopefully stitch together our players to the world they're playing in. Make sense? It does. Cool. So the camera holds for a minute on the dark, muddy waters of the Thames as it ebbs and flows in the middle of the night. We see Bob up from God knows where, a wooden crate. The music swells for a moment, and we hear some yelling from nearby, muffled for a while. And then from off screen, a crowbar comes and cracks into the upper portion of the box and drags it in. And the two grubby hands pry at boards as the box breaks apart, and we see a white linen dress. A couple of them, even, pulled out of the box by these hands, stained and darkened, observed by the camera for a moment, disembodied hands before tossing them uninterested into the muddy waters of the Thames. Fantastic. Zuxian, you're outside of St. James Street. You want to get inside, right? That is correct. The air of the night is an auspicious one, like a calm before the storm. Wind is fluttering, and though it is the middle of summer, uh, you get the you get that same like weird rushes of cold and hot as the wind cuts through you, meaning rain's probably coming. And based upon how cold it is, it's probably coming hard and fast. St. James Street, the building you want to get into, looks well locked up. The lights on the first floor are out. No one appears to be receiving guests this evening. What do you do? Zuxian is standing in the street, some drunken revelry going on nearby, but pulls his black fur cloak around him tighter as the wind kind of cuts across, staring up at the window into the attic, trying to figure my way up. You're hoping for, you know, a ladder, something that you could climb. But in, in lieu of that, I think you just find this old, overly decorated drainage pipe that runs up the side of the house and deposits itself, you know, onto the, like that, the front part of the roof that the, the window looks out. I step into the street, briefly frowning as the mud stains my velvet slippers. <laughs> They're quiet. And begin climbing <laughs> up this pipe. Fantastic. I feel like the camera shows your slippers for a moment, and then you just mutter, like, into the camera. They're quiet. <laughs> the wind, I think, picks up a little bit as you place your hand on this, this gutter, as if to tell you that this, this climb might be arduous. Uh, let's, let's, get a, let's get a night move on the table here as you attempt to climb this. I'll read this because this is the first time we're doing it. When you do something risky or face something you fear, name what you're afraid will happen if you fail or lose your nerve. The keeper will tell you how it is worse than you fear. 
You can choose to go back down or go through with it. If you go through with it, roll plus the appropriate ability. If I lose my nerve, I'm afraid that I will make too much noise, alerting the household of my presence. And perhaps whatever else is inside. I think it is much worse. The way it is much worse is that the whole gutter will come loose. and You'll be sent falling to the ground, potentially severely injuring yourself. Let's get a roll on the table. I feel like this is going to be a roll plus composure. Not vitality. Those are the two I'm between. That's why I want to look at the, what, what they each mean. The delineation. Again. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because those yeah, are... Yeah, I could see I could see composure too, but that felt more like less physical to me. Well, vitality, but... We'll if, if, the, if the concern is getting hurt, it sounds like vitality, right? Yeah, I think you... Let's just go with vitality because, yeah, that is what's at stake. So roll it up. Cool. That sounds bad. Or good. Exciting, anyway. It'll be a five. Fantastic. Thomas, let's, sh- let's shift over to you. So you two were together. Or were it, did you go no, separately? No, I think separately. I think separately. <laughs> That's great. You think there's something in the backyard to be dug up. You hear uh, the scuttling of velvet shoes <laughs> clacking no, you don't on the that. gutter. <laughs> <laughs> You hear the unsound of velvet shoes. <laughs> the the notable lack of sound of the of velvet shoes. Hmm, it's strangely quiet. <laughs> you hear the soft powder of velvet shoes make their way up the gutter, which is a no of no concern to you. I'm pretty fucking stoned on laudanum right now too. So uh interesting. Yeah. How much Hunter S. Thompson muttering to yourself are you doing right now? Oh, a, a lot. So you're going around back? Yeah, I think so. You're able to make your way around back. And as you open up the, the back gate to go around back, you hear something moving around in the bushes. What do you do? Yeah, I think Thomas starts to slowly sidle around uh, the house, keeping cl- as close as possible to the foundations. And uh, just trying to work his way past these bushes and into like the the backyard proper the garden whatever they have back there you hear these this rattling around in the bushes get louder and it almost feels like there's like swift intonations of violence like someone's hit it you know as if someone's like hitting the bush with a bat from different sides or trying to wrench it out of its roots as you're trying to sneakily get by let's roll a night move first off What's going to go wrong if you lose your nerve? Yeah, uh, the dog. Are these supposed to be things your character is worried about in character, or things you as the player would be worried if yes. they went wrong? The player, I believe. Because, okay. like, I don't know that Thomas knows about the dog, unless, like, Zuxion said something when they were still at Hargrave House, but I as the player know about the dog, and the dog is the thing that I as the player am worried about, right? Being, like, I'm th- attacked. Yeah. The way it's worse is something else is attacking the dog and attacks you instead. So you're rolling plus composure here for your night move. That's a 13. Fantastic. Doc Gaines, you're sitting in your bed, I I presume. You have decided not to go out tonight as you had to deal with your monster's transformation. Just watching these tentacles grow, these webby tentacles grow in this arm that you have, and getting drunk. 
That is correct. What are you drinking? What are you drinking? So we're not, I, don't, I don't think I'm sitting in bed. I have a full-stocked bar in, 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 a, in a small seating area. A, a stool or a, a chair. We'll say a, we'll say a chair next to a night table alongside this full-stocked bar. Forgive my ignorance. What is the what is the proper way to prepare absinthe? There's a sugar cube involved somehow. Do you burn it, or I'm sorry, do you you do you do you, you or do you just pour Don't it over you a sugar toast cube? The sugar. That was what I thought. I believe so. So as the as the camera is showing the transformation of this hand, Doc Gaines is finishing an earlier absinthe and toasting the sugar for another absinthe. I think it's precariously perched over. The lip of a rock's glass for the liquor to be poured over it. I think that's how it works. Yeah. What's on your mind, Doc? In so many words, my curse. To put it in plain terms, I have the same affliction that this hand still has. And apparently, if I am dismembered in one way or another, I will maintain this affliction. Parts of me may still transform long after I'm dead. There's only so long I can hold this back, and I was lucky tonight. You feel the bile in your chest kind of rise up, uh, a little bit of, you know, acid reflux as you take another long swig from the absinthe, and you look at this arm as it's growing. Does it sit in a tank, or what? how does it, how is it? It's in a big, uh, a bell jar is the wrong, I think the wrong word. I just, uh, I just looked this up, because I wanted to know. <laughs> you, uh... You just you put the whiskey in the glass, you put a spoon, you put the sugar cube on a spoon over the glass, and then you slowly drizzle water out of, and it can be whatever, but yeah, they usually have them in like a tank, basically, and it slowly like drizzles water over the cube into the absinthe. So there's basically a layer of simple syrup. I, I, so I like this, I like this change of setup here, and this can, this can tie into the, the setup of the hand is I think that there's a what appears to be a distillery right and so there's there's a a pipette of distilled water that's dripping down that the the glass is now sitting under and just off to the side is a is a similar bubbling and lit tank that the arm rests in so we have this big Erlenmeyer flask with water and then just beside it is a a big goldfish bowl that's bubbling and lit uh, a sickening green and as you watch this hand grow, it's weird, new, almost like tendon, webby tendons among its fingers. One of the fingers, the index, seems to just entice you to come closer. What do you do? To remind, in the battle of keeping my affliction at bay, I have the drained tag, which is why I'm staying in and drinking. So I'm already pasty and sweating. My shirt tails untucked, probably pantsless. I lift myself up out of, the, out of my seating chair and into my wheelchair, grab the glass of absinthe, spilling sugar water onto the bar, letting it run. Water's covering it now. And slowly inch toward the hand. As you get closer, you notice that this liquid that the arm is suspended in on top of it it seems to have collected some kind of weird surface the surface is 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 on the jar 
I'm sorry. On the on the top on the top uh, at the top of the jar. There's where, a separation. Yeah, there's a separation, right? There's a little bit of air. It's not airtight. I meant there's a separation of the liquid. Mm-hmm. My eyes move to that, and I look at the strange Tesla coils and electronics that are keeping this in a suspension. The hum of the semi-magic science that happens here, increasing in sound as I inch closer, looking for perhaps a break in the line. I assume the bubbling is stopped. Mm -hmm. I slam the last of the absinthe, also the first of the absinthe, let the glass crash to the floor, and look around back behind the tank to see if some of the recycling pumps have failed on me. As you look around the tank, you notice that the tank itself, where the arm is sitting, is starting to fog up, becoming obscured by moist haze. Seems like there must be a extreme contrast in temperatures inside the tank and out. I mutter to myself, I push myself out of my chair and flop onto the table that's holding the tank, sidle myself onto my hip, almost army crawling toward it. In terror and curiosity, I bring up a shaking hand and wipe the condensation from the front of the tank. You wipe the condensation from the tank and it feels excessively cold to the touch. And as you try and pull your arm away, you realize your hand is just stuck to the side of the tank, frozen there. What do you do? I'll pull my hand away. Violently. Even taking, the, even taking the tank off the table if I have to. I'm frightened now. I'm not... That's sweet. Yeah. Let, let, let's, roll a, let's roll a night move here. What are you afraid will happen? I'm afraid that the arm will escape. It's even worse because the arm will try and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Roll a night move. Uh, hey, oh, yeah, plus... I oh, should, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know you're all good. It seems like composure to me. I, th I think I'm also on composure there. I can see an argument for composure, or also because we're obviously dealing with kind of the extra... Like, I could see a sensitivity role as well, because this is kind of like, obviously outside of the uh, norms. Of things, so you're kind of you know sensing what's going on here. I am, I'm, yeah, and I am setting this up as though I'm sort of frightened. Yeah. So I, uh, what do you guys think? I think sensitivity makes sense. I mean, composure would make sense too, but you'll we'll use composure. It bears noting sensitivities. So yeah, sensitivity's worse, but that's great. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah. I don't, nobody's failed yet, so come on, we gotta fail yeah. something. Well, oh, you know, right, JD, JD, <laughs> JD did fail. We JD failed. Fail. We the first fail. Okay. Yeah. So I can, I can a, be the second. Yeah. <laughs> Good old... That's Nathan. If I can't be first, baby, I can at least be second. Fair. Um, Go right in. <laughs> yep, that's a five. Uh, fantastic. Ryan, let's go to the second unseen. Sorry. Are you going to resolve my uh, 13? Yes. It'll come back to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just jumping around. Gotcha. All right. He hasn't, he hasn't resolved anybody's role. Oh, oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Getting them all on the table, and then we're going to start banging things. It kind of allows me to domino. Two youths come to blows over a case of whiskey with a couple of bottles still intact. As they push and shove in the slimy mud, how do we know this fight is about more than just the find? Uh, uh, yeah. So these two youths, as they start coming to blows, I think it starts out innocently enough. As we kind of watch the camera, uh, or as you know, from the camera's perspective, some pushing and shoving, like an excitement that quickly starts to get more and more serious, and the camera starts to pan up and around 
to this crate of whiskey. And in one of the broken bottles, we see a, a rolled up piece of parchment that I think has some writing and pictures on it that is clearly kind of an X marks the spot treasures map, treasure map. Because, like, by the beginning of the Victorian era, we're starting to see, like, the end of piracy, classical piracy, kind of. That's dope. Uh, smuggling, (laughs) smuggling even more extravagant, problematic things inside of already, I assume, like, (laughs) you know, whiskey being sent down the Thames. Zuxian, you are climbing this gutter and you get almost to the top. You grab on to the to the gutter attached to the roof but you miss and you fall backwards ah and you fall through the air and you land on top of the fence where these spikes were protruding out the top and it stabs you straight through the heart and you're dead all right see you guys (laughs) can't you janice mask that shit that is exactly what i was going No, I'm good with that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm out. See ya. Fuck this game. It doesn't even have hack and slash. I'm done playing it. <laughs> this game's bullshit. I tried stabbing the ghost and nothing happened. Yeah, I will, I will activate my Janus mask powers. That sounds great. Um, it should be noted as well. I forgot to say this. There is a Janus mask of, a, of St. James Street Ghost as well. It is the mask of the unquiet. Each, each hunter narrates a flashback to their childhood when they experienced a haunting. That's one you can also take. Totally, I think I totally forgot to mention that in the beginning. Uh, some of the, I think all of them have a unique mask that you we can... We can each do that one time? I believe so. It's either each of you can do it once or only one of you can do it. I assume it's only I, one of you can do it, right? Isn't that kind of how the Janus mask is set up? The future yeah, the mask aspect. is the future. Oh, the fu- that's, the, the, that's the future one, yeah, yeah, that nobody else has done. That's yeah. right. I think maybe because it has a mark on it, I th- think maybe you're right that only one person can do it, but it is an option there. Because we can each do all the ones on our playbook unless it specifically states. Yes. Yeah, it, those are all like the future ones, like the most beloved yeah. and stuff, where it's like one person takes this, the other people can't take it. Yeah. So you have to start with the first one on the list, right? Mm-mm. Not on the future one. No, not on the future one, but on the Mask of the Past, it says mark the first unmarked box. Yeah, you have to start yeah, at the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So mine is, are these all different? Uh, narrate a flashback to your childhood that shows how, even then, people were willing to suffer in order to make you happy. Also, we can resolve this at dawn if you want to. Oh. If, you, if we want to keep the energy up going. That's right. Yeah, maybe let's do that then, because I would rather focus cool. on the night Yeah, scene let's just keep the going, energy yeah. going. So you get a seven through nine. Um, in this particular case, and I think what's going to happen here is uh, you're going to do it. You hold steady, but there's a complication or a cost. The keeper describes what it looks like. I think on the seven through nine, you're actually instead of whiffing at grabbing the gutter, you do grab it, but you're unstable and your hands just slide da- back down the gutter like six feet. They just get all torn up. Mm. And you're you're gonna t- you just take the condition bloodied hands. Cool. I uh, sneer in pain as my hands are sl- as my hands are sliced open by this metal gutter. But crawl back up 
and make my way through the unlatched second story window of this house, pressing aside the white linen curtains, leaving a bloody handprint on them as I move within. I make my way quietly over to the place where the wallpaper was peeling back mm-hmm. where those numbers are shown. I begin tearing at the wallpaper and once I have you know, a section of this wall exposed, I begin writing the numbers down, trying to make sense of them. Cool. Let's roll an information move. Uh, the appropriate thing, I believe this is the... Reason. Reason, yeah, thank you. One? Great. That's a five. Oh, God. All right. Let's switch over to Clayridge. Clayridge, you're, you're, you've held fast and held steady. You are able to see within those bushes the dog. And it, it bites and snaps at the air as the bush eventually stops shaking. But you don't see anything else. However, the dog is then alerted to you and comes over and asks for pets. I pet that dog. That dog happily leans into your hand and then walks over to the far side of the garden and just starts digging in the ground. And you notice that there is a there is an already partially dug hole that the dog seems to have been digging at. Uh, for for listeners at home, uh, probably on the podcast or for on the on the Patreon feed on a twelve plus of the night move. Uh, you do what you intended, you hold steady, and the keeper will tell you some extra benefit or advantage you receive. Describe what it looks like. Yeah. I Basically, ten, you're not just right. going to have to dig holes everywhere. Clay Ridge is <laughs> no fool. And, you know, dogs like bones, and, and you know, bodies have bones. If, if <laughs> y'all didn't know. Um, that fucking PhD, oh God, man. Is, is, a, really is a skeleton <laughs> inside of me? He's, he's doing the... Um, Oh, the the like chaos mathematician thing from uh, uh, Jurassic Park, or not? Yeah, from Jurassic Park, where it's like putting the dots together. Or no, that's uh, his character in Fourth of July. Uh, he no, he's a he's a chaos dude in. Uh... Yeah, I don't know why that why that character is there. <laughs> it doesn't make <laughs> to, any to sense to do the chaos math, JD, on whether it's safe or not. <laughs> so yeah, um. Clayridge is going to go over and start digging where the dog was digging. And I think we get the the nice view of like the shovel biting into the dirt and that the the cracking sound as the shovel hits the small stones buried in the in the dirt as he's digging through this garden. Awesome. And you're digging and you're trying to get this done in a timely and quiet manner. Why don't you roll an information move for me? Uh, plus vitality. Oh, sweet. A plus zero. Zeros all night long, baby. That's an eight. Sweet. We will come back to you. Do I have to say what I think could go wrong on an information move? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Okay. You don't. Doc Gaines, this arm reaches and crashes through the ceiling of its encasement. And reaches out for your face. And is mere inches from it. And is about to try and grab your throat. When you see it just 
ice just come up and cover the arm over the fingertips. Frost bite the whole damn arm. And it sits stock still for a moment before it starts to tip over. And the arm breaks in half at the wrist. No blood is spilt. Anybody got a spicy condition for Doc to take at, at witnessing this? As far as a condition goes, I already had chilled. I, uh, that's been, I don't really want to get that again. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. I think I'm actually just going to give you, like, the greatest invocation of standard practice. Just take the condition confused. What about, like, rattled? Rattled, Ooh, rattled's better. Rattled's better. I like that. That's more active. Not, Thank you. That's, and that's also, like, Gaines has been careening toward this and seeing the, the uh, Zipraxiscope. So, rattle is great, I mean, my I other think. thought was I, if this somehow helped you control your inner demon, and now it might be a little wilder. Mm. That was the only other Potentially. thought that I had. Connecting it to your curse it, more than just your yeah. emotional state, but rattled's still good, whatever. Yeah, rattled, rattled's good. And I think that's stuff that, what you're talking about, JD, is stuff that we can keep in mind going forward. Uh, and if you guys were, if I ask you guys for some some feedback or stuff, or just interject if you think like that's cool. Awesome. JD, uh, going back to the unseen, an older woman picks through the mud, lost in her own world. She does not seem to focus on items of monetary value. What do we see her collect? We see her picking through the mud, leaving coins behind. There's a fine vase that other than being muddied is unbroken and would go for quite a bit of money. She steps over it. And then she finds a hand sticking out of the mud. And on it is a ring of tin. And she pulls it off of the finger. Tears running down her face. A ring of tin? Yeah. Is that what you said? Like the number? No, tin. tin. Cool. A cheap metal. Oh, tin. Fuck yeah. Okay. Sweet. I like that a lot. Clayridge, you strike gold or strike something as it brittly breaks underneath your shovel and you hear a slurp. As you look down underneath what is buried here, this fresh earth, you see below you a porcelain vase and that slurp as you broke the outside of this vase is because it is filled with fresh blood and it is bubbling as you crack through it. The clue, I want you to say that you have the clue, a porcelain vase filled with warm Fresh blood. And the complication here is as you look down to see this blood and its little bubbling muck under the edge of your shovel, you hear a slurp of a footstep, something coming out of the vase, and another slurp of this footstep. And it looks like there are these bloody footprints of something that has stepped outside of the vase. You hear whispers. What are you doing here? What are you doing What are you doing here? What are you doing what are you doing here? What do you do? Um, so Thomas gets out from the, where it was like strapped at the small of his back. This drum, this like small tom tom drum, with uh, with its head is made out of the skin of the world's tallest man. And uh, I'm gonna, he's gonna start uh, like rhythmically playing it. In a way that he hopes will like disrupt this ghostly presence and give him like a chance to get out of here. 
That is dope. It's fucking dope. Mostly That's because dope. mostly because I'm imagining your your eyes are fucking yeah. bloodshot oh, and glossed I'm over. So, like you're strung out on morphine, just like <laughs> eyes. I guess on morphine, eyes almost shut, just like <laughs> barely registering what's actually going on around him. Standing on one foot, teetering. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So it's definitely a night move. And I want to throw it up to you guys. Is it composure or is it sensitivity? Sure. Here? Yeah. It is. Okay, cool. I yeah. was into sensitivity too. I just wanted to make sure that I was on the right page. Yeah, let's roll a night move plus sensitivity and what could go wrong? Here? Okay, I have a question before then. So to use the stuff that's in my personal quarters, when, when you choose to use that, so if, can I roll and then say I'm bringing this in and like or exhausting it, whatever that is, and then roll again, because it gives you advantage, right? Or do I have to say, like, I'm using this to get advantage? I I don't specifically remember him talking about when you have to use it, but I would assume you need to use it at the beginning, at the beginning to roll. Yeah, so I don't think it's like you can roll again with advantage. I think it's you choose to roll with it. So one of one of my moves that I, the move that I took, part of, so I took fastest gun in the West. Mm-hmm. And I, I get a gun that I can use in this way. I can to mark it, or I, I don't have to mark it to use it to roll advantage. If I'm using it, I can roll advantage. I can after a die roll, I can mark okay. it to re that's to re-roll. Actually, so that's yeah, kind that's of that's very, the yeah. benefit yeah, of yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um what am I afraid could go wrong? I think that during the war. So I'm I'm worried that can't talk about your background i almost forgot uh so i'm worried that i this ghost is basically going to make me um like start hemorrhaging out of my mouth or nose basically uses bad juju to make what's on the inside of me on the outside it's so much worse scotland yard's going to show up (laughs) and they'll see you and they'll see you (laughs) digging in someone else's fucking shit roll it (laughs) Uh, that's an eight. Doc Gaines, you see this frozen, broken arm in front of you. What do you do? The blood completely drained from Doc's face now. Sweat pouring down, his shirt soaked. The floor is covered with the pickling? Liquid the arm was contained in. I look at my hands, surprisingly uncut, glass everywhere. And eyes now like dish saucers. I they focus on something off camera. My hands shaky move toward the bowl, hidden before in the base. Now broken free, the camera just shows for a second a small curled piece of paper and Doc's hand wrapping around it. Fantastic, Zuxion, you are trying to transcribe these numbers in the wall, tearing away at the wallpaper as you're scribbling these numbers down. On a piece of parchment, you don't see to the side of you where the wallpaper is still intact. This human body that seems to be trying to push through the wallpaper towards you. And as you're hurriedly scribbling, it just grabs you by the side of the face, wrenching onto your ear and yanks you to the ground, smashing your head into the ground. As you look up dazed, the whole building is covered in frost. There is an icy wind that blows through you. 
It is no longer summer. It is the dead of winter. The edifice in front of this house is destroyed, and you see the crunch of a desiccated body sitting in front of you on the snow. When you close your eyes hard to refocus, the room just starts spinning. But you're back in that room. I want you to take the condition astounded. And I also want to follow up on the last of the unseens. Ryan, several bedraggled children poke a bloated corpse with sticks. Those who do not double over retching rifle through the waterlogged effects. What last traces of this person's life or death do they run off with? So one kid yanks, like, grabs this knotted end of rope in the mud next to the corpse's head and yanks on it, cracking the vertebrae in the neck as the noose slips up and over this corpse's head. Two other children work furiously, pulling at the manacles on the corpse's wrists, slowly peeling through the waterlogged skin as they pop with a sickening crunch free from around the corpse's wrists. Dope. All right, I, I want to wrap this night scene up. I want to give either Zuxion or Clayridge an opportunity, but I, I think the scene is set here for you, Clayridge. You hear from around the front gate. Well, I, I, I heard that they were looking through the body related to this place, so just, just, just check it out. Just get back there. All right, Devons? Good on you, sir. I'll be right back. And you hear you hear someone approaching. Kill Devons. Drake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give that a bit more juice, because I think that's really fun. Like, the camera zooms in on your fucking glazed over eyes. Yeah, we get this great shot of uh, Clay Ridge's bloodshot eyes. They peel open wide, and his brow furrows. As he's still, like, beating the fucking drum to keep this ghost back. <laughs> Swindrake. Clayridge glances over his shoulder back to where Devons is uh, supposed to be coming from and back to this mm -hmm. ghost. Taking a deep breath to steal himself, Clayridge charges through the ghost towards the back wall of the garden, hoping to scramble over the back wall and leave this police officer to deal with the ghost. You actually just do that. I have this really great scene in my head of you, like, you're, you're beating, you know, you're hitting, you're tapping the drum, and then you decide that you're going to run, and so you, you hit the drum every time you take a step. It's like, I think we do feel that intense rising as you you go over the back and head out just as you hear Devon's well, I don't see anything back here and where all those bloody footprints were and where the undug earth is or where the dug earth is it seems covered up to Devon's turns around and walks back out would you like to do anything at all Zuxion no I'm I'm good I think you're able to get away you're on the second floor and yeah, we get a we get a cut to black. And Devons is incompetent. You're fine. <laughs> Exceedingly so. That is the end of the night phase. All right, so we are proceeding into the dawn section of the game. Uh, well, this one's pretty quick. Collect rewards if a threat was resolved. Not on this particular evening. Bummer. 
uh, answer Dawn questions. Okay, so I, uh, I yeah, I'll start. Whatever, I, since I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> did the hunters resolve a question? We did not, no. right? Mm. Did the hunters resolve a threat? No. I I don't I don't think so. Mm. No. I don't know. Okay. Did you experience an echo in the night? I did. Oh, so I will get one. One of the, I'll get one for that. Remind our listeners at home what your echo in the night is. Oh, in the we had in the scene that Ryan described the pirate map or the treasure map in the shattered bottle of whiskey, and I found a note in the shattered bottom of the jar with the pickled hand of Stonewall Jackson, which we'll find out what that is later. I'm excited for that. Did I stick out in London society for all the wrong reasons? Not quite. We came kind of close in the the scene where Zuxion and I went uh, shopping. I plan to do some society stuff so we can get that next time for you. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm rattled now, and my last question is, did I use violence to solve a problem? Not this time, but we're going to have some fucking fun today, baby. Sweet. Clayridge. Yeah, so... Is kind of the same thing as Nathan's. We didn't answer a question, didn't resolve a threat. I did experience an echo in the night. Remind them at home. Nathan, in the very first, his first paint the scene, described uh, the cracking of the crowbar, and I had the the cracking of the shovel on rocks in the in the soil. Love it. Yeah, totally. And then mine are, did you have a conversation with a child while no one was looking? I didn't. I was going to, and then things in the garden didn't quite uh, go (laughs) as planned. And then the other one is, did you put your hands in a pile of guts and love every moment of it? No, because I explicitly didn't have time when I was dissecting the corpse. Zuxian. Same for the first two. We did not answer answer a question or resolve a threat. I did experience an echo of the night. I stained the white linen draperies like the guy stained the white linen dress with his muddy fingers. Did I express a clear preference for the beautiful over the mundane? Yes. The, oh, well, maybe. Kind of out of character, I guess. Um, but we'll see if this applies. The purebred dog. I asked about and because it was purebred I called it beautiful but if it had been a mutt I would not have done so that's fine that's fine with me yeah take it I mean it says preference right well it was whether yeah if I have to express it to another character or something but I'm loose and fast with some of these then did I appear in London society wearing risque or avant-garde fashion no I did not cool Uh, mark any new elective dawn questions we can change those Yes, you can change Looks it, like every, it every dawn. Or leave either or oh. both the same. So we can we can remove one yep. and change to another one? Yeah. Oh, shit. If you want to change it up. Got some intentions for the night. Oh, that's that's interesting because um, so like, that's really cool. Great job. Great mechanic. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> but I, I was I just realized I was like, oh, this is a different character than the options that I chose. I didn't really realize that at first. The violence is still happening, but I, the sticking out in London society, I don't know if I feel how I feel about that now, now that I played the character for a second. And now we've built in a mechanic that says like, oh, did you, did you kind of stat your character out differently than you thought you would at first? Well, good news. Switch. It's fine. It's yeah. great. And, and you guys would have let me switch anyway, obviously, mm-hmm. because that's good play practice, but putting it in a mechanical... 
giving them the option so that they feel empowered to do it as opposed to like they're hacking Mechanizing the game. Yeah. Fucking great. This is I think the more games I play, the the stronger <laughs> yeah. of like a design philosophy I think it is. Especially the more Jason games I play. Like just make it part yeah. of the rules how people should play any be exactly. playing anyway and then nobody can be like, "Well, that's not the way the rules work." It's like, "No, it is the way the fucking rules work." Exactly. It 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 empowers the play group. It empowers the players to be creative. And again, it reinforces also the the keeper or the GM to be a fan of the characters because it's like, I want to make like when the mechanics give you an I want to make this choice, the GM gets to go dope. Like, of course, that sounds awesome. Change your questions. That's cool. I'm going to change. Did you stick out in London society for all the wrong reasons to did you share a treasured memory from the States during an intimate moment with another character? It felt great. This is sort of the kind of character that I want Doc Gaines to be. He's obviously like emotionally fragile, which I didn't realize starting the game. And that's yeah. Hell yeah. Great mechanic. Yeah. Love it. Absolutely love it. Cool. Resolve any playbook or custom moves? Does anybody have any... I do not. Stuff to do at... Any that dawn? have to do at dawn. All right, then. Resolve any Janus Mask prompts that remain unresolved. And we do have one. So, yes. Uh, returning to this, it is... Narrate a flashback to your childhood that shows how, even then, people were willing to suffer in order to make you happy. I am a young boy of maybe seven or eight in a dress shop with my mother. She has been nervous because she is attending a soiree and is hoping to catch the eye of a potential new husband. So she wants to look very fine for the event. But I spent the time fixating on a mirror with a pearl and gold inlay handle. And I demanded it. I didn't have to scream and cry about it. What I want, my mother would always give me. So she bought the mirror. Because it was an expensive mirror, she ended up leaving the dress shop with something that did not impress. That's in your personal personal belongings, right? The mirror still? No. Oh, it wasn't you? Or did I decide something else? I don't remember. Oh, fuck. I gave, I I, I gave somebody a ah! mirror. I mean, yeah, I should have looked at my belongings to tie that in, but yep, that's it. <laughs> you said a polished silver mirror <laughs> with someone's lipstick. Uh, oh, there you go. That's the origin of the mirror from your mother with love. And no, my mother didn't kiss it. One of the shop girls did. Totally <laughs> cute, kind of. Ooh-woo. Not really. <laughs> kind of weird. <laughs> this seven-year-old boy. Well, it's like is that. Hot. It's like that. You know, like <laughs> oh, he's gonna grow up to be such a ladies' man. You know, that kind of. Except yeah, it was totally. Actually true. Yeah, yeah, love that trope. <laughs> cool. We are moving into the day phase. All right, the Wheatley camera. The Hargrave House Library contains research on the so-called Wheatley camera, one of the first wet plate type cameras ever produced. People who are photographed by the camera have been known to disappear without a trace. An American scientist and philosopher, Atticus Wheatley, studied the camera for a number of years and proposed that it was some sort of entity, a demon, or even a god, and that the people who went missing had been transported to another dimension. Wheatley advanced an idea called the Fragrant Void, a sort of proto-Earth that existed in near-total darkness, 
that was home to powerful entities who were banished by God on the first day of creation. He believed some of these entities could still operate in our world, hidden from view, perhaps through common objects, like the camera. While his research couldn't prove the existence of the fragrant void, he did manage to show how the camera caused people to be whisked away to another dimension. Unfortunately, before he could present his work for review, he was killed. His notes were destroyed, and the camera went missing. One week ago, a beautiful actress, Penelope Levy, disappeared. She was last seen at the Society Obscura, an exclusive and secretive club for wealthy photography enthusiasts located in the converted townhouse in Kingston. A missing actress wouldn't merit attention from Hargrave House, if not for the fact her lover, Bert Boswell, sent the hunters one of the pictures taken of her at the Society Obscura. All right, who do I want to give this to? I want to give this to you, Doc Gaines. I know you're sort of an outsider, but something unusual about the photo unmistakably confirms it was taken with the Wheatley camera. What is it? I don't know. I don't know if this... I think this fits. No matter which way you turn it, the, the picture's the same. Like it seems to... It, it remains static in, in place. Like, from any angle, it's the same pic. But if you turn it upside down, it's the same picture. If you turn it, it seems to stay in the frame. Like you're looking into a portal. Does that work? Weird. That's cool. Uh, yes. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so begins the day phase. Uh, you guys have uh, a sandbox of Victorian London to explore. Giving up on the ghost mystery. You guys can handle that one. <laughs> <laughs> This mystery is bullshit. No, no, please give up on the mystery. That's exactly what I want <laughs> you to do. <laughs> There's literally a part that's like, if they ignore a threat. No, I know. I tried. <laughs> I just, I fucking yeah. every clue I roll, I fail. So it's not for me. I'm sorry. I also should tell you the questions and opportunities for the camera. These ones are a little bit more tough. What circumstances will cause someone photographed by the camera to disappear? Complexity? Eight. Resolve the threat by reversing the process and bringing Penelope Levy back to the world. There's just the one question, though. Um, actually, yes. I believe there's two opportunities, though, for it. What is that? Use the camera to transport yourself to the fragment void and make contact with the entity there. Doing so gives you access to the custom move Void Walker. So yeah. there are two opportunities that will be opened by the question. You can choose either one. Sick. Yeah, both opportunities unlock the question. Uh, unlock when the question is answered and both can be pursued yes yeah, so we can answer the question or and answer the question then we have the opportunity to reverse the process or uh go go there go there make, make contact sweet good stuff this game is cool yeah so <laughs> i have to go buy something totally would you like to take anyone with you i was going to see if anybody wanted to volunteer yeah, Thomas Clayridge will go with you. Is it right away in the morning? Yes. It's the first like, it's the first thing I like to do after breakfast. <sighs> so, so so it's hang about on. eleven in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, first thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Three PM. Oh. So Mizuxion, do you catch Clayridge? Uh yeah, do you want to do a scene at breakfast? Are all three of us at breakfast? Okay. I'm long yeah, gone. You, oh, you do seem say, like a really I didn't, riser. I, Clayridge is obviously not. 
Do we want to try to I didn't, answer I one didn't of the sleep. questions? I want to do a little bit more digging. We can. I want to get one more clue before we try to answer. Yeah, because we can always try to resolve question. it still during that- today if we want to. Yeah. Okay. And I want to. I want to dig at this a little bit more, but we're going to branch off, and I think that'll give us an opportunity to do stuff. So why don't we start with you two? How was your evening, Thomas? Thomas looks at you with pretty bloodshot eyes, like raising his head up from where he's just been like pushing some eggs around a plate. Not bloodshot high, bloodshot obviously not high. Yeah. <laughs> bloodshot sober, which is way the other worse. one. <laughs> one of my favorite bits from American Dad is I can't remember what is happening in the episode, and it's just Roger yelling from off screen, I am painfully sober for this. <laughs> I remember I remember that. It's one of the first like yeah. few episodes. I remember that. And I feel like that's how Claridge feels pretty much any time he's not fucked up. <laughs> I had a long night. Uh, how was yours? Miserable. I had my slippers and a fur coat ruined. How dreadful. How are your hands? They're bandaged. Like you have, I was going to say, how decadent are the bandages is what I wanted. Uh, they are fine silk. <laughs> bandages clayridge glances at your hands what did you do oh yes that i slipped no i mean the bandages what the what what the bloody hell is that you can't use silk for bandages there's no absorption no cushion what do you expect me to put on cotton (laughs) he gives you a an incredibly significant look of, yes, that's exactly what I would expect you to put on it. Zuxian <laughs> just rolling his eyes. Clarish pushes his plate away, pulls out his doctor bag. Let me see them. Yeah, I will unwrap my silk bandages. And, uh, yeah, I'm gonna re-bandage his hands. Put, like, dab him with a- alcohol, like rubbing alcohol. Drink a little rubbing alcohol. <laughs> That shit no, not me. really. Stuff will kill you. But yeah, I, this is all to, to make the cons- conceit that uh, Clayridge has to go shopping to like get more stuff for his bag. Zuxion, how do you react when he dabs alcohol on your wounds? I mean, it would be normal to flinch, so I guess I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think I just stare at it coldly, blocking out any pain. Thomas, how does that make you feel? You're taking this a little bit better than most people. Being beautiful can be very painful at times. You get used to it. Have you ever worn a corset? You get a very, uh, blank, flat look. I don't really, uh, run around in those kind of circles. Listen, fixing those hands of yours, I've run out of most of my... I need more bandages and more gauze. I was going to head to the square. We can go together. Maybe get yourself a new coat while we're there. Looking at your stained coat that I feel like you wear constantly. My coat? What's wrong with my coat? Well, it's terribly out of season, for starters. It's perfectly acceptable for the weather we're having. What are you talking about? <sighs> I have much to teach you. <laughs> we'll cut hard cuts. That's a great cut to Doc Gaines. I, w- I would like to ask. That was a vulnerable scene, right? It was. I was actually going to ask. We're not engaging in our vice. You don't have to be. You explicitly do. When one of you, yeah. when you have an intimate <laughs> moment with another hunter while one of you is engaged in your vice. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, 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 was, I misplaced the comment. I was there. going to ask, um, what is your vice again, 
Clayridge? Uh, I'm a morphine addict. I was going to say drinking out of the bottle of pure alcohol is 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 close. Does have, is, I'm sure he has morphine in there. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say as well is I feel like you guys had a real intimate moment there. And um, I think I'm cool with just also, again, fuck structure. Uh, you can erase your bloodied hands. Those are... I, I mean, that makes that sense. That makes sense fictionally. Like, yeah. I don't know if it, conditions can only be cleared with a vulnerable move. It's that type of thing where, I guess it's yeah, normal. yeah, but no, but yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like if you're pushing towards doing that and you guys are not like, oh, we're going to go do this thing that will hit the move, blah, blah, blah. I'm also more just like, yeah, you hit it. I think that's interesting. I, I also have the advanced move field medicine. So that basically cool. lets me do the same thing. If I do it in the night phase, I have to roll for it. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that's cool. It doesn't. It doesn't remove it in the night phase. It lets you ignore it for the remainder of the night phase. Mm. Interesting. Cool. That's sweet. Let's cut over to Doc Gaines. Doc Gaines, what are you doing? I. So it's it's dawn. You know, just after dawn because we're in the day phase. And I am outside of the. What was the name of the newspaper that ran the piece about ran the piece about Jenny? The Illustrated Police News. I'm outside of the offices of the Illustrated Police News, banging on the door with the butt of my gun. It takes a while, but uh, a sleepy somebody makes their way down. How can I help you? Can you tell me what sort of rag newspaper doesn't have the presses running at 5 a.m.? But he looks extremely tired. Been running the presses all night. Take your concerns somewhere else. And he starts to shut the door in your face. Oh, I, I just point my gun at him. <laughs> my concerns are with you and whomever wishes to listen to me. Could you open the door, please, all the way, and let's have a chat. Who the fuck do you think you are? I'm investigating a dead woman, and this pulp ran a story about her, and apparently it's happened once before. Listen, cowboy, you want to become a reporter of ours or what? You have information and I want it. That's it. I cock the hammer on the gun. That's not a right good way to get information. If I'm dead, I can't talk. Maybe somebody else will. He opens up the door for you. Come on in then. And he starts waddling inside. I wheel in behind him. Hear the presses whirring now. Inaudible from the street. Jenna Hess... Ring a bell. Yeah, ran a bit on her, what? I can't even think. 28 days ago, yeah? 27. Sorry, only woke up. And he adjusts, he adjusts his timepiece as he flicks it open and closes it back. They, to rem, uh, make sure I remember this correctly, they did run, run, a, run a piece about this being paranormal, right? Yep. Your piece said that it was paranormal, we've been investigating it, but I've got information that suggests... That had happened before. What do you know about St. James Place? Me? I know nothing. I just print the papers. Well, then who? Well, you probably want to talk to my boss. Doc's hand, like, goes over his face and, like, drags down. Get him, please. I, I think you probably have to go to him. He isn't someone who gets get. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Where? Follow me. And he starts waddling forward, and he takes you to this uh, old, caged elevator, you know, rope style, making its way up. Uh, as you approach the elevator, there are 
two men there with big old irons holstered in their sides, and they reach for them. It's okay, gentlemen. It's okay. He's just here on a query or something. Then you get inside the elevator, and uh, he just starts pulling you guys up with the rope, and we're going to cut away from there. Back to our other two. Clayridge, where are you guys headed? I think Clayridge keeps trying to go to the pharmacist, and every time he, like, you know, is, like, leading them through the streets towards that, Zuxion steps into another clothing shop. What's the what's the latest one he pulled you inside of? Like a men's tailor. What's it called? Harnison and Sons. Harnison and Sons. I like yeah. it. Zuxion, what about Harnison and Sons did you think would appeal to Clayridge? Harnison and Sons produce high-quality garments, but of a distinctly masculine taste. There's nothing light about them, right? So you go there for your very fine cloaks that are thick and heavy and provide a, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's not a shop that deals in lace and silks, you know? This is the Victorian version of Carhartt. <laughs> no, no, it's more the... <laughs> trying to think of what would be a... Not quite Carhartt, because no one would work in any of these clothes. They're not good yeah, for that. It's like the Victorian it's, oh, version of Timberlands. Or yeah, Jake. That's, that's... It's the Victorian J. Crew. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, very nice, but yeah. very, like, nothing non traditional, right? Like, yeah. Distinctly expensive, but the, the, kind of, the kind of, like, bespoke men's clothing shop that you would find, you know, like, $400 flannels in in Portland. Like, you know. You gentlemen are inside of the shop. What do you do? I think Clayridge is looking around for price tags uh, and realizing that this is too nice of a, like, this is not the kind of place that has price tags <laughs> on it. That's fantastic. Uh, indeed, it doesn't. But Clayridge, as you look around, you do see another man there. Clean cut, well-dressed, bespectacled. Swindrake. <laughs> I said, again, again, I said clean cut, not a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. Again, again, the Squidward waking up eyes. Swindrick. <laughs> you see a man there, and he lifts up the arm of this heavy coat. In the middle of summer, no less. Such a heavy trough for someone to carry. And he walks by both of you, looking you both up and down. First Clayridge, who he kind of looks in disgust, and then Zuxion, who he kind of looks in a little bit disgust, but then uh, admires. What does he admire on you? What 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 piece of fashion are you wearing that is either ahead of the times or out of time that this person admires? It is the clasp of my cape, which mm. currently is a lion's head on one side and an eagle's talon on the other where it latches on so it is a griffin he lingers on your clasp and then leaves the store and you hear the soft jingle of the door as it opens and he he leaves what do you guys do jonathan i need you to bring out your newest cloaks as you see my friend is in need and then i look over at uh, Thomas, desperate need. Desperate indeed. 
However, of course, price is no object. I am aware that price is no object, but there is only so much a beautiful frame can do for such a portrait. But I will do my best. That is all I ask of you, Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan glumps his way to the back. You know, Jonathan has no neck, small beady eyes, and big glasses, and is balding. I mean, he's basically he's completely bald. He's what? He's a tailor. He's a tailor. Yeah, he's a ta- he's a, he's a tailor from you know every story you've ever heard. <laughs> he comes back out and he says, "I believe this might work for him." But here, come in front of the the mirror, and as you stand there, Clayridge, he straps a a robe around you that is a little bit heavy on your shoulders. For it is summer, and generally it is, that is a little bit hot. But something about this cloak makes you feel bold, makes you feel empowered. What is it? It's the coats almost of a like a military cut, right? It'd be like the equivalent of wearing like a a bomber jacket or like an infantry range coat today, mm-hmm. right? And so it it's like reminding him of when he was. You know, like a young dashing doctor in the in the military. I think Zucian, you notice Clayridge's back gets a little straighter. His shoulders go back as he looks at himself in these mirrors. Ah, oh, that fits you. Maybe not debonair, but a rugged attraction. Clayridge blushes a little bit when you say that. <clears throat> ah, thank you, Zucian. One works with what they have. Now, how has your day been, Zuxion? It's been hours since I've seen you last. (laughs) See, I think as you're talking with this tailor, you notice Clayridge is, like, uh, admiring himself in the mirror more than you maybe expected that he would be. I hold my hand up and silence Jonathan as he continues to try to talk to me and come up behind Thomas. All right, let's get a look at you then. And turn him around, kind of, and straighten his the, the lapels of the jacket, you know? It seems to me that you feel comfortable in this. Where did you serve? Clayridge grimaces a bit. Ah, the Crimea. I... <clears throat> we lost a lot of good boys for very dumb reasons. And Clayridge starts to reach up like he's gonna touch or like caress your bandaged hands and stops himself. I prefer not thinking about him. And uh, like I think Clayridge pretty forcefully turns away. Basically uses bad juju to make what's on the inside of me on the outside. 
So for the record, I just love that, like, because the way that it works is that we say a thing and then the keeper says how it's worse than we thought it was. And so, like, you and me are like something bad. And not that JD didn't do this, but we're like something bad. And and Zach's like something so much fucking worse than that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and it's and it's like, I'm going to hemorrhage blood. It's like, okay, (laughs) you hemorrhage two bloods. Yeah. Somebody else's blood comes out of you. <laughs> you said more or less a pint, right? Well, it's two pints of blood. <laughs> so you're afraid this thing is going to mystically force you to hemorrhage blood out of your your orifice. <laughs> yeah, and an undisclosed orifice. <laughs> <laughs> it's your butt. What'd you say? Nothing. Yeah, it's your butt. My butt. <laughs> I got the dysentery. It's a dysentery <laughs> ghost. It's a dysentery ghost. Man, yeah, you you set the bar pretty high. <laughs> um, Poltergush. Poltergush is pretty funny. That's that is That's a fucking totally a porno. That is a fucking 1960s Italian horror, <laughs> if ever. Yeah. Slash also an American porno made in also the 1960s. Poltergush. You'll be super scared after seeing Poltergush. Poltergush. <laughs> you will shit yourself. Poltergush. <laughs> Man, they they really were phoning it in there near the end of that. <laughs> Swin Drake. Zuxion. <laughs> Swin Drake. The the fucking squid the fucking squidward waking up to the sound of SpongeBob outside eyes. Uh, Bo- Bosgrove, Boswell. what's the guy's name? Bert Boswell. Pretty sure he was a he was a wrestler. I'm gonna shoot that guy. Double AGA. This young man's name is Bert Broadswell. 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 Broads, 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 Broads yep. This dude's muscly as fuck. <laughs> Bro- he is, he is broad, now. broad swell. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, legally changed my last name. <laughs> I might message him after this and just tell him the name Bert Bots Broad Swell is the best name of Red in a long fucking time. <laughs> so fucking good. <laughs> if this dude isn't a fucking porn star, I I don't know what I what what I know. <laughs> we're we're like edging on that type of thing, so I think <laughs> we've uh, been edging a lot. <laughs> Adult men I work with. I, I work with in this industry of the podcast <laughs> with adult men. Um I made no I made no jokes. You're, yeah, you're doing great. You got close. I quit. I quit. I, I quit. He sets him up and he knocks him down. <laughs> okay, anyway, go on. 